You are now listening to Talkin' Hockey with Jack Bushman and Tony Janaris. Talkin' Hockey, real Blackhawks insight. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' Hockey. I am your host, Jack Bushman, here as always with my partner, Tony Janaris, on this fine Friday night. Tony, how's the start of your weekend been so far? It's uh, going pretty well, actually. Um, looking forward to getting uh, a little break from work and uh, getting into the diff- more difficult part of the season now. Absolutely. We're really getting to that crucial stretch here for the Blackhawks. Uh, good. Glad to hear you are having a good start to your weekend. Uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, today is Friday, February 8th, and the Blackhawks have played three games since our last episode during the NHL All-Star break, going 1-0-2 in those three games, all of which went to overtime. But a pair of tough back-to-back losses on Tuesday and Wednesday to Minnesota and Boston after a win against Arizona on Saturday. Tony, what are your thoughts on the Blackhawks and their efforts in the three games since the All-Star break? Overall, um, can't really complain, but you also can't be too happy. Um, Some points left on the line. Yeah, and, and those points that they missed are what keep are keeping them out of the wild card spot. Yeah, they, they've been uh, – obviously they've played some tough opponents. The Minnesota Wild are uh, a hot team in the Western Conference right now and then Arizona in a playoff spot in Boston as well. Um, but the Blackhawks have held their own in each of those three games. And, yeah, it was tough to see them uh, drop the last two games. And those two points, as you said, are the difference – uh, in them being outside of the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what really stood out to me was um, just the, the starts in the opening 20, 30 minutes. We saw a, a really good start last Saturday in Arizona against the Coyotes. Brandon Saad with a pair of goals to get the Blackhawks out to a 2 nothing lead. Uh, they did end, up, did end up blowing that lead and winning in the shootout. But mm-hmm. uh, after seeing how poorly they came out of the gate against Minnesota and Boston, it just remains clear to me, Tony, that the first 20 to 30 minutes of the game are still like the biggest difference in the Blackhawks game right now. There's no consistency, but when they get good play early on, things tend to go in their favor. Yeah, it's been pretty much the case this whole season and also last season. Um, I'm not really sure what they can do. Uh, Maybe just try to get more pucks on the net from the start of the game. I don't really know. That seems like something they, that needs to be an emphasis in the locker room before they head out there because too many times we've seen the Blackhawks come up with five, six shots yeah. in the opening 20 minutes, and that's really killer. You know, Those are a big first 20 minutes to really set the tone. And when the Blackhawks control the early parts of games, they tend to play well with the lead and hang on for two points. Uh, a quick stat I got here on the Blackhawks, when they get out to an early lead uh, – They've gotten out to an early lead, I should say, in each, in each of their last four victories. They've scored the first goal, and in each of those four games, they've also actually scored the first two goals. Mm-hmm. So I think that just really shows the difference in their game right now because when they're not getting that good start, odds are they're not coming out with a victory. Yeah, and – That just seems to be the case. Yeah, and it – yeah, pretty much. They've had slow starts. Um, that's really what has held them back. They, I would say overall they are better than what their record shows. I, I agree too. And the frustrating thing about these first periods is I just sit there and ask myself, like, what will it take for you guys to learn like that the first 20 minutes are important? Like mm-hmm. you can't just come out and throw a dud and get outshot by 11 by the Bruins in the first period and expect things to go great. Like, yeah, these are just unacceptable efforts in key games. And it's even worse when it happens at home, like just unacceptable right. recently. So I, I think the starts, uh, if they can really focus harder and get those first couple goals, it's going to be the difference for them in these final 30 games or so. Yeah, if you can, if, if you're able to get Robin Leonard any type of cushion to start a game, yes. you're going to be in great shape. Yes, that's huge. So uh, I think just falling behind or just not playing well early on certainly played an impact in the Hawks' last two losses. Uh, to recap some of the games I know are the last three games since our last episode. I know I kind of touched on uh, the Arizona game already with Brandon Saad scoring twice. Yeah. Uh, his 14th and 15th goals of the season. 
But, wow, Saad, I mean, he's been really good since returning from injury on that second line with Kirby Dock and Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Six games played, four goals and an assist for five points, and that's, that's what we need out of Brandon Saad. Yeah, Brandon Saad, they kind of missed him, and you could tell when he, when he was out, they weren't really as effective across the board. Yeah, that top six was really just missing another effective scoring winger, and Saad certainly applied that. Uh, right away when he entered the lineup. Uh, he's been a big difference maker. Um, so, yeah, great to see Saad uh, playing well with Doc and Kane there. Uh, and he took advantage, got a uh, quick two goals right out of the All-Star break. Um, but, unfortunately, the Blackhawks did blow that 2 nothing lead as Brad Richardson and Connor Garland each took advantage of a couple of defensive gaps by the Hawks, Connor Murphy on Richardson's goal and Cuckoo on Garland's. Um, but I thought the defensive effort was good for the most part, and it certainly helps when you have Corey Crawford playing fantastic in that, making 40 saves during the victory. That was so awesome to see. That was a huge defensive battle and a goalie game. Oh, that, yeah, that was one of the like goalie big saves back and forth on both ends. Yeah. It, was cool. it was cool seeing Ranta on the other end making those saves too, obviously a former Blackhawk. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun with that up-and-down action. And Crawford yeah. was bailing them out left and right. Yeah, that was definitely a goalie win. Yeah, I agree. And, and that shootout was nasty too. That, I was just about to say that shootout was at, <laughs> like Taze, like had that sick like when Taze scored that. I looked at all my, I was watching with a bunch of buddies, and I was like, wow, that was. That sick. looked like Patrick Kane. Yeah, and then Kane won up some, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, like, <laughs> that was so funny. I was actually watching with uh, one of my buddies who was visiting me this weekend, who's a Blues fan, and I just like okay. gave him, I just like gave him that look. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, you like that. It was so – that was that was disgusting. That was a fun shootout. And a fun even overtime, if, too. Yeah, e- yeah, even if you're not a Blackhawks fan, you, you're a hockey fan in general, you love those moves. You got to appreciate Patty yeah. King's hands. I mean, those are once-in-a-lifetime hands. Yeah. Those are some crazy moves. <laughs> uh, poor Auntie Ronda didn't look all that pretty against his former team in the <laughs> he shootout played there. so well and just got I know. destroyed in the shootout. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a big two points in a dramatic and awesome fashion there for the Hawks. Uh, a big win on the road as well, which, interesting to note here, Tony, that win at the time made it four straight road wins for the Hawks. And, oh, wow. Uh, they had won eight of their last nine on the road before the OT loss in Minnesota on Tuesday. Okay, yeah, I'm actually looking at their home and away breakdowns here. Yeah. So their home record, not very good, 12-12-4. They're actually – playing better on the road 13 9 and 4 yeah that's crazy um they've been getting i don't know what it is about playing on the road lately for the blackhawks but it seems like when they go into enemy territory uh they're really pushing hard and maybe they're just getting too lackadaisical or taking it for granted when they get back on their home ice but like i know yeah. I, I know none of the guys want to go out there and play poor in front of that crowd that they get so right i'm not sure what it is uh, maybe the opponents on the road are at home have been tougher uh, but it just seems like all season it, it's been the case where the Hawks have been playing better on the road than they have at home. Yeah, I know. Usually two years they've been better at home. Yeah, so. It's, it's um, weird. It could work in their favor as we talked about last episode and we'll talk about a little bit later on this one. Um, mm-hmm. The Hawks have a lot of road games coming up in February. Uh, and we saw one of those road games on Tuesday in St. Paul against the Minnesota Wild. The Blackhawks were looking to pick up their second consecutive victory out of the All-Star break. And unfortunately, as we mentioned moments ago, they fell flat on their face in the opening period. But, but actually, uh, I want to stop myself there. Before we get into that game, we have to talk about the Blackhawks making uh, an interesting addition to their roster before that game. Yeah. Had a claiming defenseman Nick Sealer off waivers from the Wild. Uh, and he did not get into the lineup to make his Hawks debut against his former team, sadly. But uh, what did you think of the addition there, Tony? Um, I was kind of surprised, but I do understand it. Um, they could use another NHL-ready third-pairing guy or a seventh guy to rotate in. Um, Dennis Gilbert, he wasn't really getting the best developmental plan, I would say, right now, just sitting on the bench. Yeah, so I'd agree. I, yeah, that was the bright move. I would say. Yeah, so obviously when the Hawks did claim uh, Sealer off of waivers, they sent down Dennis Gilbert to the Rockford Ice Hogs. 
And as you just said, Tony, he's been spending most of the games as the seventh defenseman due to Slater Cuckoo's recent success. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we both agree that Rockford was the best move for Gilbert uh, in his development. I actually saw he scored a goal in his first game back in Rockford. So good to see there. Uh, But, yeah, I agree. Sealer's a seventh defenseman. Uh, He's been in that role for Minnesota basically the entire season. He's only played six games for them this year after playing 71 last year. So uh, I'm sure it's been tough for him, but uh, he's looking for that fresh start, and it could be here in Chicago. Uh, It's probably going to be tough for him to crack the lineup with Cuckoo and Mata's. You know, they've they've kind of been good together recently. A dominant run. Uh, but, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, when Sealer does get his chance, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, I think he's basically, we kind of talked about this earlier uh, before the episode, he's basically like a Dennis Gilbert that's more suit to be in the NHL right now. Right. I would say he's a Dennis Gilbert type player with better defensive instincts. Yeah, he's just more ready to handle NHLers in the defensive zone than Gilbert is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Gilbert's in the right place in Rockford, and I'm I'm interested to see uh, when Sealer gets into the lineup and when he does, uh, how he handles it, who they play him with. It's going to be a unique situation, and definitely one I didn't see coming, but definitely one that yeah. does make sense. It could bolster their back end, and, uh, you know, with um, this time of the year, you can never be too sure on the back end. So, right. it, it makes Spec- sense. Especially with that injury to Bolquist now. Yeah, that's interesting news as well. Um, Bolquist. That shoulder injury. Yeah, took a nasty, uh, awkward fall into the boards after getting hit by David Krejci. Kind of a questionable hit in my mind. Um, But yeah, fortunately, Jeremy Calton said after the game that uh, Bolquist injury wasn't anything super serious. Mm-hmm. And that it's more so just going to be day to day, and they're going to you know see what happens in the next few days, and they'll play it then. But but yeah, the, then uh, it's almost like Stan Bow was looking in the future there because this makes way more First sense. Of all. Now. Yeah, right. It makes more <laughs> sense to have uh, Sealer there if Boquist could be out for a couple of games. So this could be yeah. Sealer's chance to crack the lineup if Boquist does miss a couple. Yeah, and I saw that Boquist didn't practice today, so maybe they're just taking the cautious approach here. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on before Sunday's tilt in Winnipeg. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the actual game against the Wild, uh, the horrible start from the Blackhawks. We saw them get outshot 12-4 to in the opening frame, uh, but somehow managed to come out scoreless thanks to Corey Crawford, who continued right where he left off against the Coyotes, playing well right from the get-go. Uh, yeah. We didn't see the Blackhawks, kick, uh, you know, um, keep the game scoreless for too much longer. We saw Kevin Fiala score both goals to give the Wild a 2-0 lead in the second period. And I just don't think the Hawks are offensive enough to let those kind of things happen. Like, I thought yeah. the offense would be better at the beginning of the year, but what we're getting right now in DeBrinckit's struggles, falling behind 2-0 is like a death sentence. Yeah, I, I don't really know why. I think that was more of a case of playing down to their opponent. God, well, the Wild have been better as of lately, but... Yeah. Uh, still, like, that just wasn't, like, a divisional game. It was on NBC, like, Wednesday night rivalry, big game. Obviously, two teams that have had a rivalry and played each other in the postseason. And to put up four shots on goal in the first period and then let the yeah. Wilds <laughs> score the first two goals in the second, I was like, Jesus. Just no consistency. And, and Stalock isn't their starter, right? No, they, they have Dubnik, so it's not okay. like – yeah, I mean, Dubnik hasn't been great. Neither of them have been all that great. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's not like – we should have just been firing the puck more on that. Like, there's no reason right. we shouldn't be peppering Alex Stalock. Like, even if you don't get a great shot opportunity, you just go for a rebound at least. And that kind of ties into the pushback after we saw from the Hawks in the third period, which it was mm-hmm. impressive, but the goals they scored. Adam Boquist, we saw him score his third career goal on just a, a yeah. flutter wrist shot from the point. Just got through traffic. Nice. And then Oli Mata ties the score from a horrible angle. So <laughs> it's just like, why weren't you doing this for the first 40 minutes? Like, you're, you, you're, yeah. You tied the game up off of garbage. Yeah, you can easily be doing that from the beginning of the game. So I, just, I don't know if that's like Jeremy Colleton isn't stressing that enough, but like four shots on goal in the first period to being able to tie the game because you're just throwing stuff on that. Like, so at some point, someone's got to put it together there and be like, we got to be doing this for 60 here, boys. 
a little sense of urgency to start the game would do them wonders. Absolutely. Wonders is honestly an understatement. Like, <laughs> because I feel like 60, 75% of the games the Blackhawks lose, it's because they fall, they fell behind early and they're just trying yeah. to play catch up. And that's not the team we have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it, it was frustrating to see that the Blackhawks did have that pushback in uh, the third period and weren't able to come out with two points as unfortunately our, uh, our favorite Eric Gustafson made a bad turnover, which led to <laughs> Matt Dumba's uh, game winning goal. Uh, I think we both would agree that just like the Boston game, the Hawks didn't necessarily deserve to win that game, but man, the extra point would have been really sweet. Yeah. Those two points are crucial. Yeah. And, and especially because it's a pushback effort on the road. You got the crowd out of it. Like you had them right where you wanted them and you just couldn't put it all together in overtime. So yeah, yeah that was a killer to uh, a divisional team like the wild who very deflating. I believe they're just two points back of the Blackhawks right now too. Like they've been playing good hockey as of late. Yeah. So. They are currently two points back. We are in the fifth spot and they are in the sixth spot for the wild card. Yeah. And we're one point back of, both the Predators and the Jets in our division. So what do you know? Our division's a dogfight again. Yeah. Shocker. Three of the top five, sorry, actually four of the top six wildcard teams are from the Central. Yeah, so shows you the log jam uh, that it's going to be here in the final 25, 28 games or so. Uh, And it makes every game that much more crucial, especially when you're playing a divisional rival. So it was tough for the Blackhawks not to come away with the, that extra point in overtime against Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they didn't really have much time to reflect on that as they were right back in action the next night on Wednesday against the loaded Boston Bruins at the United Center. And we touched on it a bit earlier, much like Tuesday, the Blackhawks were awful in the opening 20 minutes again as mm-hmm. Boston controlled the game, outshot the Hawks 16-5, to just Another embarrassing start, but once again, for the second consecutive game, the Blackhawks are able to hang on and come out of the first period scoreless because of goaltending, which has carried this team 100% to where they're at. I don't think there's any arguing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the reason the penalty kill is in the top five right now is because of Leonard and Crawford. Yeah, yeah. You you need to have uh, your goaltender be your best penalty killer to have one of the best PKs. So makes sense that the Blackhawks uh, are up there in the league in the best penalty kills. Are they top five? Do you know? I think they're six, to be honest. Six, okay. But I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, it changes with, like, every game. Right. Every game, yeah. But uh, I know they're in that five to six range. Um, but I actually got a question here for you as we talked about how good the goaltending has been. Okay. Who has been more valuable to the Blackhawks this season, Patrick Kane or the goaltenders? Oh, that's very tough. Because <laughs> um, the offense wouldn't be anything without Patrick Kane. No, the offense has struggled to produce anything. So I would just st- would go with the- Patrick Kane. Dude, it's so tough. It's tough, though. Because there's times where I'm like, wow, we could really have like Jeff Glass in that right now, and we'd be worse than the Red Wings. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't just for the fact that there's been no offense really. Okay, I, I'm going to agree with you with Patrick Kane, just okay. because of Debrinket's down year. If Debrinket yeah. was doing more and the power play was juicing it up a little bit more, I'd have to go with the goaltenders. Right. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this question though. I mean, I think no, it's... they're they're both crucial for different reasons. Yeah. So, I mean. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a tough one to choose. I'd have to say Kane as well, just because Debrinket's not getting the job done. Um, yeah. Hopefully, uh, as we're, we're just about to talk about, Alex Debrinket gave the Blackhawks a one nothing lead on the power play against the Bruins. Hopefully, that could be the one that gets him going. I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed on that. <laughs> He's only got 13 yeah. this year, which is sad. Yeah, I know. Um, I was looking. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, do you have any updates on, like, um, his point total com- this year compared to last year? Uh, I did. I saw up. something. I'm pretty sure I saw it was December 12th last year where Alex DeBrinkett hit 13 goals. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Uh, I'm like 95% sure. I know I saw something like that. I'm like 95, 96% sure it was December 12th. So okay. like two months later, here he is hitting 13 goals. Like that's not ideal. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking. I have. I actually just pulled up this year compared to last year at this point. Yeah, might as well. So this year, let's see. This year, through 54 games, he has 48. Or no, sorry, he has. Uh, this was last year. Sorry, 54 games, 48 points. I wish. 26 goals, 22 assists. Oh, he has half with, of that. <laughs> with yeah, with a 17.2 shooting percentage. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what that shooting percentage is this year. This year, his stats through 54, only 36 points, Me. 13 goals, 23 assists, and. Shooting percentage is in half, 8.3. Oh, man. So basically all his stats from last year are in half at this point. Yeah, pretty much. That's hurt. I, I also got a brutal stat here that I saw on Twitter. Uh, it was – where do I got it? Oh, here it is. Uh, Alex Debrinkit has the same amount as – uh, has. sorry, I got to reword this. I'm terrible. Alex Debrinkit <laughs> has as many even-strength goals as Oli Mata. For the season. Yes. If you told me that at the beginning of the year, that that would be the case, I would have told you we're like the second worst team, worst team in the NHL. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. That's horrible. Him and Ole Mata both have four even strength goals this year. Isn't that horrendous? That is very horrendous, but it's also good to see him scoring on the power play. I know he does have nine, nine tallies on the power play, which I think leads the Hawks. I'm pretty sure Kane has nine as well. Let's um, see. But He's got to get it going five on five. I mean, to have as many even strength yeah, goals as our lead. number five defender, like, come on, dude. Like, that, that <laughs> yeah, can't so, be happening. Just to follow up on what you just mentioned with the power play goals, it goes to bring it with nine. And Kane, I think, has like Kane, seven Kane or six. with six. Yeah. Kubalik with two. Strom with two. <laughs> Gustafson with two. Yeah, we're getting good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's horrible. No one has more than two besides Kane and Dabrinkit. Yep. Does Taze have one? He has one. Dude, that's so bad. Oh my god. That makes <laughs> that, that makes explains sense. Explains why the power play is not good. Yeah, we touched on it last episode. Like the company we're in in the power play rankings, it's the like the Red Wings, the Senators, the Ducks. Like bad news yeah. bears. Our captain has one power play goal this year. That's so <laughs> awful. Wow. Yeah, that that is pretty tough to swallow. So I mean, yeah, maybe the maybe the silver lining is that DeBrinket now has nine power play goals. I guess that's something to talk positively about with it's him. A little, a little something. Yeah. So, oh, man, I, I that's, that's tough. <laughs> it's disappointing because, like, most mostly when you see guys that are this young struggle, like it, it's in their second year. Like the second year is the big slump year for a lot of guys. The sophomore slump. The sophomore yeah. slump is just a big thing, and to see him hit it in his third year, it just doesn't really make sense. Like, yeah. and he's still getting his chances. That's the thing. He's just got to put it on net, like 8.7 shooting percentage. That is brutal. That is. He's supposed to be our leading goal scorer. Like he's supposed to be our leading goal scorer. And for him to have yeah. 13 and as many even strength goals as Ole Mata, 8.7 shooting percentage. It's, I'm not surprised where our power play's at. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if DeBrinket was scoring at that 18% clip this season? Yeah, I mean, our power play would certainly not be 27th, 28th in the league, I'll tell you that. And we would definitely have a few more wins. We wouldn't be losing these extra points. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm really hoping that uh, DeBrinket's power play goal uh, on Wednesday against Boston will be one that kind of gets the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, we need it. We certainly <laughs> do because we need more scoring here. We're not getting enough of it. Uh, can't rely on Patrick Kane all season. Um, and that kind of uh, actually cost us the game Wednesday against Boston. Patrick Kane remains scoreless. And uh, when he doesn't get points, the Blackhawks don't have a very good chance at winning this year. Yeah, he's pretty much their, their motor. So the Blackhawks, unfortunately – Blew that one nothing lead that they kind of worked hard for, I guess you could say. Not really good first period, but uh, they came out better in the second, got that power play, and struck first. Sean Corrali answered back less than six minutes later to tie the score. Uh, and we saw kind of the, the uh, game teeter-totter a little bit back and forth uh, throughout the third period. Um, but right before overtime, things really get, uh, hit the fan and 
all hell broke loose with the officials, <laughs> Tony. It, it made for a, a wild and wacky end to the game on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, talk about a delayed call. Oh, and, um, and it doesn't. And they even didn't start. have an explanation for, the, for uh, Jonathan Tay. It, it was bad. Uh, so just to recap this whole shenanigan, uh, it all started with in the final two minutes of the game. Believe it or not, everything I'm about to tell you guys happened within two minutes. So mm-hmm. we started with Zach Smith getting called for an illegal check to the head of Tory Krug. I don't know if you saw that. Like, that was very play? questionable yeah, that with was some embellishment one. going on. Yeah, he definitely flopped on that one. <laughs> and then Taze also brought up a good point after the game. If that's an illegal check to the head, why isn't Krug in the black room getting looked at? He was right back out there on the power play. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, if it's that bad of a hit, you think he would be out for at least a right? few plays? So he can't what, just be out shifts? there back on the power play if you're going to say that's an yeah. illegal high hit to the head. So that was right. certainly questionable. And then just seconds later, the officials toss Ryan Carpenter from the game for chirping from the bench. They, they actually kind of gave – they actually kind of did him a favor, and they did the Hawks a favor. They gave him a 10-minute misconduct, and they could have given him a two-minute and made it five on three. But still, yeah. I mean, with that point of the game, there's, you know, a minute left. You're really not – shouldn't be calling penalties. So they, they toss Carpenter out of the game after they missed a, a, a high stick on a faceoff. Mm-hmm. So that was its own that was its own situation before the worst of it occurred. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> the worst of it being Ole Mata's tripped up, delayed penalty on the play, and while Mata's laying on the ice, he knocks the puck forward to Drake Kajula, who of course goes on to roof it past to lock, and the officials blow the play dead due to a hand pass that, when you look at it on a replay, not a hand pass, Tony. I mean... Yeah, we're we are also seeing the replay slow yes, down. That is true. In in game time, the refs shouldn't call that. That was, I mean, especially yeah. uh, it was close. I will say it was close because it Mata was. originally like dropped yeah. it, but he clearly did play it with his stick. And just with like a fast, I don't know. You just, you just have to be a hundred percent sure in that situation. And then when they tell Taze after the game, they asked him what's up, and they say it was their bad. It's like, <laughs> then you weren't 100%. What are you calling that for? Like, with the game that, on the that, line. What the game? Yeah. So, that, I mean, that cost the Hawks an extra point right there. Cost them a win against one of the top teams in the NHL at home. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they held their own for most of the game, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I also, like Tuesday, they didn't deserve to win, but that's hockey sometimes. Right. Sometimes you don't deserve to win, and you do. That's just hockey. And right. the Blackhawks got screwed out of an extra point. So, yeah. And of course, you know, Bruins go on in overtime to win. I mean, people will, people will fairly say Blackhawks did have some power play time and they could have done more with that. They didn't take advantage, yeah. That is true. I mean, that that is true and that is fair on its own end. The Blackhawks could have, you know, put that in the back burner and put their yeah, nose down and gotten the win. Special teams issues, yeah. Yeah, it really does. But uh Nonetheless, uh, tough to see that they didn't come away with uh, two points that should have been theirs, and that extra point would have uh, really been rice, uh, nice right now. As mm-hmm. as we just talked about, the Hawks are two points uh, back of a playoff spot and one point back of two teams in their division, the National Predators and Winnipeg Jets. So that point is the difference between them being tied with them and them being a point back right now. So that that is a, yeah. a big point. I can't lie to you. It is what it is. Yeah, it, it is very frustrating, but it, I also I'm also optimistic because they held their own for, with some of these tougher wild card teams. Definitely, the Bruins are complete on all ends. I mean, they have one. They're big, a lock for the playoffs. Oh yeah, no doubt. They're they're gonna be. I think they're they might be my favorite to win the cup right now. I think they're gonna be hungry that they didn't win it last year in Game Seven at home. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a really good team. I mean, they have one of the best power plays. I think they're second best in the league. They have, I know they're arguably the top first line. Yeah. I mean, David Pasternak's just out here scoring goals. Like it's nothing. Um, (laughs) they have the best, uh, coming into that game on Wednesday, they, uh, had the lowest goals allowed per game. So they're playing well on the defensive end. Um, and the Blackhawks should have beat them. So, I mean, there is, there are some positives to take away from that game for sure. Uh, yeah. And hopefully the Blackhawks uh, aren't playing, you know, down to level their opponents. They're, they're playing the same way 
uh, against anybody because if they're playing their best game, they can beat anyone in this league. I actually do believe that. I, I don't believe they're a consistent team, but I do believe when right. they play their best hockey, they can beat anyone. Right. They, they've shown that they are good enough to keep up with some of these top teams. Yeah, they but definitely what can hurts hang. them is their inconsistency and their slow starts. Yeah, that's been two things that if they don't make the postseason, those are probably two things at the top of the list that need some correcting. Yeah. So with the Blackhawks currently two points, black, two points back of a playoff spot, Tony, at the moment, what percent chance do you think they have making the postseason? Hmm. That is a good question, and it's also a tough one to answer because they have a really hard schedule for this whole month. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, like we said, just two points out of the second wildcard spot. But they are in a log jam as well. There's a lot yeah. of teams there. And there's a few teams within a couple points of each other. So at this point, I might have to say 50-50. I even think 50-50 is putting it generously. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, just because we're getting good goaltending. That's best I'm, case scenario. Yeah, I'm gonna go 35, 40 percent range, and I'm gonna okay. go more so towards 35, just because I, I don't think the defense. If we had Kelvin DeHaan, I, I'd say this is we're, we're we have a really good chance to make it here, but I just don't know if the defense is gonna be able to hold up, uh, especially with this tough division. It, uh, there's gonna be a lot, a yeah. lot of tough games. And I'm not saying they can't do it. It's just going to be a big test on the defense. Um, but one of the reasons I do think we do have a chance, uh, 35 40% chance in my opinion, is because of mm-hmm. our goaltending. When you're getting yeah. number one goaltending every night, you got a chance to win every night. So uh, yeah. if the Blackhawks can put together a stretch and you know come out of February with you know still in contention, then they certainly have a chance, and we could be talking the same conversation in a couple of weeks, and I could be more optimistic. So uh, I'm not ruling yeah. them out at all. I, I still think they have a lot of the pieces to put this run together, and I, I like what I've seen uh, in the last 20 games or so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I would say 40% is pretty fair at yeah, this point. because I, I agree. This team is also not at full strength. It's not even close. And we're just yeah. we're like we're just starting to get some of these pieces back. Like we just got back Saad and Kajula. We still don't have Shaw, Dahan. We didn't have right. Strom for a while. We were missing Murphy earlier in the season. So it's been a season that's really tested us and our depth yeah. at times. We've seen a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup. So it is impressive that the Blackhawks are even still in contention right now. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better than that. Alrighty, so now I think that takes us uh, into a new segment we are implementing, and we're going to be starting uh, putting in episodes where uh, we are going to be looking at some studs and duds in between episodes. Studs and duds is the segment name. So since our last episode, uh, some studs we can look at on the Blackhawks. I think we have to start with 2019 number three pick Kirby Doc Tony, who has points in all three games uh, since the All Star break and is on a five game point streak with six points during that stretch. What do you guys say about Doc lately? Yeah, I feel like Kirby Doc is getting more comfortable and he's finally playing with some line mates that he has some chemistry with and his skill set complements really well. Yes, yes, I agree as well. It's good to see Brandon Saad. Brandon Saad being healthy is just such a huge addition to that top six because we can put him on that second line and Kirby doesn't have to be playing with, you know, DeBrinket and Camp. That's just awful. Right. So, yeah, we, we've seen Doc fit in really well with Kane and Saad in that second line. It just looks like the kid's really found his own recently, and I don't think that mm-hmm. comes as a surprise to either of us because we've stated no. all season long that Doc's been playing the right brand of hockey, and it's not like he's been a ghost or anything. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of his stats over the last few games. Four games, he was a one plus minus, and then the last one against Boston, he was a minus one. So he's playing really well. And he's making the most of his opportunities. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, in these last three games, he might be our best player, honestly. Like, he's been making a lot happen. He's been making a lot happen offensively. And he's really, really starting to, like, get comfortable in his own body and finding ways to like maneuver around defensemen, use, use his size. Those and, handles were insane. Oh dude. He absolutely inside outed Jonas Brodeen on Tuesday. That was disgusting. I wanted him to finish that mm-hmm. so bad. 
<laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. And what I really like the most lately from out of Doc is he's taking advantage of his ice time. Yeah, what what has his ice time been in recent games? I know we talked we talked a lot about it in the last two episodes or so. Yeah. That, you know, he's yeah. been getting an extended role and glad to see he's making the most of it. So we'll go back to the fifth game against the Jets. That was thirteen thirty seven. And then the Florida Panthers game was eighteen twenty seven. And then Coyotes nineteen fifty four. Okay. And the Wild was seventeen thirty. And this last game against Boston was seventeen fifty four. So he's getting top six minutes. Yeah, seventeen nineteen range is what we've kind of been saying for the last couple of months. With some power play too. Yeah, he's been getting power play looks, which is something I, I mean even with the struggles, I do still like to see Doc out there because even like yeah. even in times like this, you know he's learning and he's adapting and he's just going to gain so much knowledge. Like playing with, he's going to learn where to be at the right times and to install that into his brain at a young age, it's only going to be beneficial for us down the road. So it does kind of suck that we have to play. I think does he even have a power play goal this year? If so, I know he's only got one, but he has. Let's see. No, yeah. No power play so goals. it's tough to play a kid that's not, you know, scoring on your power play consistently on your top power play unit. But right. like at the end of the day, if you're thinking long run, that that makes a lot of sense, and I do agree with that move as well because it's going yeah. it's going to help us down the road. Believe that. Right. He does have two power play assists, so he's still getting involved. Yeah, that's that's great to see. So, uh, really impressed with uh, Doc lately. Awesome to see that he's finally getting that finished product on the stat sheet. Um, so that, yeah, he deserves stud number one. Uh, that will yeah. take us to our second stud, uh, probably someone who's going to shock all the listeners out there coming in as our second stud is fourth line center, David camp, Tony. Uh, it's not for his yeah. offense though. <laughs> it's <No>. for his work <laughs> at the faceoff dot as of late. So an interesting stat I found since December 12th, David Kampf is second in the NHL with a 60% face-off win percentage over the last 22 games, and he's now up to mm. 54.06 on the year, really coming into yeah. his own. He's top 30 in the NHL. Yeah, I feel like Kampf was okay what he gave you, what he gave us last season. The one knock we both had on him was his face-offs, and it looks like he's fixed that problem. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he finished last year at that like 48 mark. And last year he had 45.3. Oh man. Even worse than I thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a big bounce back for camp and it certainly has been helpful. Um, I've been tough on David camp this year. I'll be the first to admit it, but I also think that's just because the roles that Carlton has put him in sometimes just really makes me scratch my head. So yeah. it's not, he's not like, shouldn't ever be on the second line. Like that made me no. cringe so hard. <laughs> But, like, this is exactly what we need him to do. Like, this is, like, peak David Camp. Like, if he could do this I, forever, I'd love him. Like, Yeah, I have no issue with what, he, with what he's been producing. A top, thir- um, top 30 face-off guy in the league. Our penalty kills yeah. killing it. Like, this is, this is Marcus Kruger Cup runs. Like, this is beautiful. This, yeah, this is, like, prime Kruger. This is what we missed last season Abs- from Kruger. Absolutely so. Really impressed with David Camp lately. Hopefully he'll be able to keep it up. Uh, and for as much as I've kind of shit on him this year, I definitely deserve to talk about him uh, positively a little bit. So really, yeah. really good to see David Camp uh, kind of coming into his own and uh, making the most out of the role he's been given in Jeremy Calton's system. Uh, and that will take us to our last stud. Um, it, it was a tough one here. It's only been three games, uh, but mm-hmm. I kind of tied it into – uh, over or before the all-star break, I should say, Corey Crawford has been really good in that for the Blackhawks in his last four or five games or so. Tony, he's allowed just eight goals and he has three wins and just one overtime loss, which was that game in Minnesota where he played ridiculous. Yeah. Um, looking at his stats from the past five, only one of those against the Predators did he have a sub 900 save percentage. And in, I know in a lot of those games, he's getting up there in saves, too, of 35, 40 saves. He's been, yeah, he's he's getting at least 30-plus. Yeah, so Corey Crawford, uh, 
as he has been all year, is certainly getting tested. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks are still dead last in the NHL in shots on goal allowed per game. <laughs> Golly, yeah. that's that's hurt. But, yeah, Crawford uh, has been up to the challenge lately. Three wins in his last four games. Um, been holding down the four and keeping the Blackhawks in games, you know, that maybe they shouldn't have been in. So, uh, Corey Crawford, at his age, 35 years old, uh, can't really ask for anything more out of what we got in lately. No, it's nice to see. It looks like he's motivated. Maybe he wants that one more, one last contract. I think he's going to get it. I really think he's going to be a number one goalie next year. It seems like he can possibly still be a starter for a team. I'm not, not sure what team it is. Yeah, I'm not sure where the, you know, it's got to fit correctly. Um, but I, I do still think he's capable, even at his age, uh, of leading a team to the postseason because, uh, <laughs> you know, if he can do it with our defense, I'm sure there's yeah. another team in the league he could, that uh, he could be plugged into and have success with. So uh, great to see Crawford play well as of lately, as of late, I should say. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, I think he was deserving of the third stud spot with his, with his recent play. Yeah, I mean – at his age behind this makeshift defense, it, he's playing, he's exceeding expectations. I think we forget at times that our defense has a 19 year old Adam Boquist, Slater yeah. Cuckoo, and Eric Gustafson all playing regularly. People forget yeah. these things. <laughs> and, and honestly, they're, they're not bad. I mean, no. overall, they're much improved over last season. They are better, way better than you think they'd be on paper. Like, if you're yeah. if you're looking at our top four and it's Keith Boquist, Gustafson, Murphy, I'm like, yay! Our number two <laughs> defenseman's a 19 year old rookie, and our number three defenseman is uh, offensive defenseman that's as good as I am in the defensive zone. <laughs> like, so I'm yeah, I know I, I'm a sh- like I'm shocked that we're getting this much out of these guys. Yeah, I mean. It's a big credit to them, too. But at the same time, that's why I'm, like, shaky on the Blackhawks making the playoffs because we have Adam Buckwist, right. Eric Gustafson, and, and Slater Cuckoo in the lineup. Like, that's not a knock on def- those guys, yeah. but just, like, <laughs> yay. Defense has improved, but I don't think to the point where they are a lock for the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's gotten better, but... It, Injuries haven't helped the, either. The goaltending's going to be what gets us there. No doubt yeah. about it. So, yeah, Corey Crawford... Well deserving of our third stud spot, and now they'll take us on the flip side. Our duds. I am going to start with Alex DeBrinket, Tony. We had to put him on the list. We've kind of it's kind of been a, yeah. a Alex DeBrinket roast this episode, but uh, I'm sorry, the kids. He's deserving of uh, some critique. Yeah, I mean, overall, he hasn't played horribly, but he's nowhere near what he did last season. With 13 goals, and we're already in February, he's, you know, this time last year, he's getting closer to 30, and he's not even close to 20 yet. Yeah. I'd have to say he's been the biggest disappointment this season. And I don't, I think, think, it, I don't that, think it's close. Yeah. I don't think it's close. Yeah, for the type of player that we know Zabrinkit is, this is a huge disappointment. Right, and that, like, last season, uh, it, it was like – we knew we could hang in games because we could score. Like if we, if we had that ability this year, it would just be a whole different game. You know, like if we had that ability where we could come in and outscore opponents, then with this goaltending, then we could come back from anything. If we just, you know, if Leonard or Crawford just put together a streak where they're making a bunch of big saves, we know we have Mm -hmm. the offense where we can come back and score. But this year with the Brinkett struggling to find the back of the net, we don't know when that next goal is coming. So Right. It's, it's been a tough year for him. I'm not sure what exactly the reason is. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just because he's not comfortable. I don't really know what the, with that new contract coming off. I don't know. It, it just, it could it's just a lot be, of pressure. it could just be one of those years too. I mean, he's still young yeah. and I think we kind of, uh, take him for granted because we don't really consider how young he is just because he potted 40 as a 21 year old last year. Yeah. So you know, he's still really young in his career. I mean, he's like, he's barely older than Alex Nylander and we saw how bad that's going. Right. So, um, <laughs> to bring it, we, I, we just have high expectations for him and they're fair expectations because we know he's a good hockey player. He's an elite goal scorer. We know he's one of the best in the league, 
But at times yeah. like this, when we need the best out of all of our guys, especially when we're in the hunt right now, it, it, it's time to uh, – it's, it's make or break time, and we, we, we need him rolling on all cylinders. I'm really hoping that power play goal against Boston is what gets him going. Yeah, they need him to pick it up. And what I've noticed with Debrinket is that he's very streaky, so he could just go on a scoring spree and catch right up to his pace from last year. Oh, absolutely. Um, Collison said the other day, he's like, yeah, he's the type of guy where he can go score 12 goals in a week. Like, it, it's just yeah. one of those weeks. He has, he's one of those players. Um, and also, I'm hoping, you know, Dylan Strom hasn't been back in the lineup all that long right. since he returned from injury. So hopefully those two just get it going. Um, I think – one of the issues too this season is they've really had some trouble finding who's going to play in the middle of them, especially when they've moved, you know, Strom yeah. out to that wing spot. It's been Ryan Carpenter a lot of times, and he's not known for his offensive game. Carpenter's not a good a puck fit driving, for them. yeah, or a puck driving center. So, and Kirby Doc, I mean, he's just young and inexperienced. So it's kind of like you don't really want to put Taze, DeBrinket, and Strom together. Yeah. So I, I think that could be part of it as well is that they really haven't had a consistent center playing with them. And, and last year when we saw a lot of success, it was when the power play was rolling and the Hawks were rolling with that second line of DeBrinket, Strom, and Kane. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. It confuses me as much as, you know, I have no answers just like everybody. Yeah, it's, it's tough to really explain because he has the skill. Mm-hmm. He's just not finding the twine. Yeah, so I hate saying that Alex Debrinkit is our number one dud, but he's a temporary dud, I would say. Yeah, I, I would, I would hope. I really hope so. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> so that takes us to our second dud, which is center. We just talked about Ryan Carpenter, who is yeah. now down to forty-four point one four percent at the faceoff dot because he was the second worst faceoff man in January Tony believe it or not that's very surprising yeah according to complete hockey news which i don't know if you follow them on facebook or twitter they're an awesome source for all mm-hmm. hockey news um but that Ryan Carpenter won 32.3% of his faceoffs in January while he had just two points not wow. not good so <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, and one of the main reasons we signed him was because of his ability to play wing and center. He He's not a, a true center. He's more of a guy that can play center. He's like a Zach yeah. Smith guy where, you know, when he's playing on his strong side, he's capable. Uh, but 44.14% isn't – I mean, we're not paying him very much, but that's not what we signed him to do. That's like David Camp from last season. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it's great to see that we have someone else that's winning faceoffs. But, like, if we had Carpenter – at the 48, 49% mark as he, he's been in recent years, 50. Like, yeah. I think he had like his best year last year, 52. So not like yeah. a great face-off guy, but better than 44%. Like, come on. Yeah, man. that's a little tough. Especially when he's playing with guys that need the puck, like Debrink and Strom, those face-offs become even more important. Yeah, if Carlton's going to give him those third-line minutes, even second-line minutes at times, he needs those face-offs. Yeah, I would – I just expect better out of Ryan Carpenter and, like, up until January, he had been a great, like, low-key signing. I mean, a million dollars yeah. a year for three years for a hard-nosed penalty killer. Like, he provides a lot to the game still, even though he's struggling with his face-offs. But, I mean, you, you just expect more in that department for sure. Right. And I think all part of it could also be because he's played so many different roles. Yeah, he has been everywhere. So, I don't know. It, it's still early enough where he can pick it back up, but it's kind of uh, something you want to watch out for. Maybe it's just the Blackhawks uh, health or lack of health. I should say that's really been screwing with everyone this year because the more I'm just thinking about the more that everyone has been bouncing around all year. Like we've never been fully healthy at one point. I swear. We really haven't had like a line set besides that top line this season I would say yeah like it's been juggling the whole season because it seems like every five or six games someone someone goes for a two three week stretch or something you know yeah so maybe that's something that's been messing with Carpenter to bring it I don't know but just just uh an idea throughout there because I'm sure it hasn't been easy yeah definitely he's he's been he's exceeded my expectations coming into the season so yeah I, I mean agree. technically he has been a dud lately but I'm okay. For I'm season okay season wise, I'd still probably 
move him towards the studs list if we were talking the entire season. But for a full season, yeah. Episode to episode, I'd have to put him on the duds list lately. We need more out of Carpy in the faceoff. In down. the past few games, yeah. So I think that takes us to our last dud. Uh, that is uh, not just a dud. The last three games, Tony, he's been a dud about all fifty-four of them. Our boy Alex Nylander. Uh, Pretty much his whole career. Who, <laughs> yeah, right. This season, this, this season is an understatement. <laughs> Uh, Alex yeah. Nylander, who apparently only shows up against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, interesting stat. I just was going through his game logs, and I noticed this. Since December 19th, uh, Alex Nylander has played in 16 games. In those 16 games, he has two goals and three assists for five points. Not great by any Ooh. means. I mean, you, not horrible, but we, for what we gave up, we'd like more than that. I would really like that. Defenseman back. Oh, yeah, really. that'll be nice. That'll, <laughs> be, nice. Right that'll be nice chip into the D. Uh, but yeah. Nylander, yeah, Yuki, how are you? T- two goals and three assists in those 16 games. Both goals and two of those three assists have come in two games against the Jets. The other 14 games, <laughs> Nylander has just one assist. I-, I don't know what it is, but Nylander. Why Winnipeg? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't. I don't know. But. That just is Trade the story. Him to yeah, maybe. Yeah, they probably love him. They're probably like, "What do you mean this kid's a bust?" Yeah, <laughs> we'll give you back Dahlstrom. I'd be like, "Deal." <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the gavel? I'll bang it right now. <laughs> but yeah, Alex Nylander, um just continues, and the Blackhawks. It's been so bad recently that the Blackhawks have no choice but to put him on the fourth line and play him ten minutes. I mean, yeah, there's nothing else you can really do with him at this point. That's. That's what he's earned. I, I did see somewhere on Twitter today that, like, his zone entries are really good. But, like, I, I saw, like, someone was like, oh, his zone. I don't know how they put it. They made it put it where it was like Alex, or Alex Nylander wasn't bad. I'm like, okay. There's so many <laughs> other things that he does poorly where his right. zone entry isn't something that I'm going to keep him around for. How like, often does he even have the puck? Dude, also, I swear to God, if I had a quarter – for every time I saw Alex Nylander causing offsides this year, I I would be pushing some big corporations around. Like this, I swear he has one bad offsides every game where I'm just like, dude, like what? Like you, you've been playing hockey. I know since you were five years old, I know, you know, you can't cross that line before the puck does. Like, oh my God. He's, I, he's the most frustrating player I've watched on this team ever. I want to, I want to try to find out like if there's an offsides checker for the season now. If there's a what? An offsides offsides tracker. tracker. <laughs> Honestly, I that would be that would be interesting. That would be a horrible job. Like that would be so yeah. boring. But kudos <laughs> if that is a real thing to whoever does that. Give give it a Google. It's worth it. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. After offsides this counter. Can you imagine having <laughs> that job? Jack Bushman, nice to meet you. Offsides counter. <laughs> Just walking around clicking. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I got two this game. Got to watch the game for free. I want that gig. I mean, not not a horrible way to watch a game for free. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this job doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of it. It's a, I'll want to look into it, though. Offsides counter. <laughs> yeah, but I swear, I, he's actually offsides like once every game. No joke. I noticed it. Like, it's, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean... I do watch him like when he's on the ice, I do watch him a lot. I, I think a lot of people tend to do that just because of what we traded for him and the hype for him yeah. and who he is. I think a lot of people do key in on him when he is on the ice, which isn't very often. Um, but it's just like the turnovers that he makes are just so blasphemous. Like, I don't know what he's doing. So like uh, it, like it, I have no words for him. So frustrating as a player. I've never watched any player like him. Like, I feel like this is exactly what Edmonton was talking about with Yessi Puyarvi. Like, I'm like, oh, I get it. He's just really not good. <laughs> like, oh, that sucks. Like, you know, where it's yeah. just like you come to realization where it's like, yeah, we lost this one, didn't we? Yeah, probably. I Speaking of Puyarvi, I actually looked up his stats. He's about a point-per-game player this season. Do you know what league that's in by chance? He's in Liga. He's with Carpet or okay. Carpot. Yeah, who knows? Who knows how to pronounce? I don't know that. how to pronounce that name. Yeah, but uh, I I saw that tweet as well. I think you say I think he's what like forty six points in forty five games or something like that. Um, or maybe I saw it wrong. Let me see. But I know. But I mean, that whole situation is interesting. Uh, does Edmonton still have his rights? That's the thing I don't know. Like, yeah, th- they still do have his rights. 
I believe he's a restricted free yeah, agent. Yeah, I know. Home. I know he's an RFA. So, like, if he would come back, he'd have to get a deal. But yeah, um, so yes, he's exactly a point per game, forty-four okay. and forty-four. Okay. So I so mean, I mean, that's th- a good th- lead. you might he might be worth a, a flyer on a on a good deal or something. I don't know. I just like I don't even. He's just one of those situations where I don't know what we'd have to do to acquire him because he's a pending RFA and NHL standard. Like, I don't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what, like what that would cost. Per right. Se, I don't, because I don't know, know that situation all that well. I don't know what kind of trade market he would have either. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't like put my finger on it, but like he is someone that I've been interested in for a year. Like I wouldn't go out and give up a lot for him at this point because no. that would seem stupid, but like, yeah, it's I'd, give, I'd give him a look. Yeah, that could be. uh... This is really random that I remember this, but I remember like at this time last year we were talking about uh, Darnell Nurse and Puyarvi for like Gustafson in a second trade. Yeah, I don't. How would you feel about that? I think I'd I'd rather. I mean, I'd like to have Nurse, but I do like Nurse over Gustafson for sure. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, like would I give up a second round pick? Do I want to give up a second round pick for that deal? I don't think I would go as high as a second, maybe a third yeah. or fourth. Second's pretty high. You get a lot of good players yeah. in the second round. Yeah. I don't know why that deal came to mind. It was just something I was thinking about. Just maybe because yeah. I'm thinking about any way possible to get rid of Alex Nylander. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Or Gus. We might be stuck with him. Those are going to be some interesting topics we're going to bring up on the next episode for the trade deadline. Yeah, we could definitely go more into depth with the upcoming episodes closer to the deadline. Yeah, for those of you listeners uh, who don't know, the NHL trade deadline is on uh, March 24th, I believe. Or not March 24th, February 24th. February. Uh, So that is in 17 days. We will be having another episode coming out before then where we will discuss more options for the Blackhawks uh, and their options at the trade deadline. But yeah, that episode will come out in about a week. Um, another, another thing I want to talk about, uh, we were just talking about Nylander success and about the Jets. Talk about yeah. while we have the Jets up. Um, talk about some news that came out earlier this week out of Winnipeg. Kind of felt obligated to talk about it. On mm-hmm. Monday, news leaked that Winnipeg Jets and that the Winnipeg Jets and defenseman Dustin Bufflin were working on terms of a mutual contract termination. What were your initial thoughts there when you saw that, Tony? First, I wasn't really surprised just because he had that ankle surgery and he wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't really know if – and also it's probably a matter of retirement too. Yeah, I was honestly surprised that it took this long to get something done to buy him out. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know if he even wants to play hockey anymore. He hasn't been healthy in a while. He'll be 35 next month. I know Blackhawks Twitter is they love to do just will cling on to things like that, but it just does yeah. not make sense for the position this team is in. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at this point we don't need another Seabrook who is trying to come back from injury at like 34 or 35. And I, I don't even see like, I don't know, like at, for who buff is, I don't see him coming back for like one year on like a cheapy deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't even think like that would be the only situation where he could even join the Hawks was out, you know, because we're not going to give him a bunch of money when no one knows what he is. Right. Um, and so I just, I just don't see that situation happening at all. Yeah. I don't think that anything would materialize, but I, it was an interesting development though. Yeah, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on Bufflin, one of the most beloved Blackhawks of all time. I'll never forget that 2011 series against our 2010 series against San Jose. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see where he lands if he uh, ends up deciding. If anywhere, yeah, if he wants to even play some more hockey, um, just probably will not be for the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that would be a really good match. Um. Yeah. It just with no. It, Maybe a couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when he was still effective, but it would have been a lot of money. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just. Uh, I think it's time for Buff to hang up the skates. It's been a good career for him. You know, I don't think he has much more to prove. Yeah, I don't really know where he stands either on the whole retirement issue either. Yeah, like, I, I mean, he's taking his sweet time to make this decision. 
So, yeah, I mean, he, and also he's one of those guys that throughout his career, he's been like notoriously out of shape and then goes back into shape. Like, I don't know, maybe yeah. like in my mind, I don't think he's like, I've just heard so many interviews about Bufflin being like such a like jokester and like, <laughs> I don't know if like you've heard a lot of like, it was cool. I think it was, uh, it was when Duncan Keith sat down and spit in chiclets. Did you ever listen to that by any chance? I don't. I don't think I caught that one. It was so good. They were just like they were talking about Buff a bunch of times. They're talking like when they first. So when Bufflin first got drafted by the Blackhawks, apparently he went like MIA because the Blackhawks wanted him to go to rookie camp, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm not going." Like he was like, "No," like <laughs> like he didn't want to go. So like they genuinely couldn't get a hold of him for like six days after they drafted him wow. because he didn't want to go to rookie camp. And then Keith was also telling the story where. Uh, like, it's their first time meeting, meeting Buff. They're all sitting in the locker room. He's, like, sitting on the couch. And apparently, like, apparently Bufflin, like, doesn't care about, like, like he, like, he loves playing hockey and is very serious about playing it. But apparently he, like, didn't grow up watching hockey. So, like, you don't know. Really? The, yeah. So, like, apparently they're, like, you don't know who Brendan Shanahan is? He's, like, no idea. Like, like Bufflin's, <laughs> like, yeah, no idea. I don't, he go no. What he said is they were, like, you don't know who Brendan Shanahan is? And he goes, no, I don't watch hockey. <laughs> So, wow. like, dude, I don't know. Like, this dude could be doing some wild stuff while he's out here retired. So, yeah. I don't even know if a comeback's in his plans because it never seemed like hockey was even, like, all he was. You know what I mean? It was just seemed like something he was yeah. really good at. He was really skilled but not very focused. Yeah, that's what I like. So many funny stories about Buff. And, like, yeah. There's good stories about him just, like, chirping a bunch of people, like, out of the city. I remember there's a story about him, like, Someone telling him is like, no, Buff, you don't need to go take that police officer's gun or something, <laughs> something along those lines. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, Dustin Bufflin, with or without hockey, I think he's going to be just, just fine. So I don't even know if he wants to come back and play. But, yeah, as we've reiterated a couple times, it'll be a situation to keep an eye on. I just had to share those stories because they're so good. Like, they're so yeah. good. But, yeah, uh, wish Buff all the best. Um yeah, we'll see where he signs. Uh, I think that just will kind of take us into our last little segment here. We talked about it on the last episode, and a little bit here we touched on it. Um, but we want to go over the Blackhawks' upcoming games before we end this episode. And, Tony, let me tell you, it's going to be brutal the next five games for the Blackhawks. Yeah, I'm. this is a very tough month, probably the hardest month all season. All five of their next game, all of their next five games will be coming north of the border on the road, they take on the Jets on Sunday, and then they have one day off before uh, a back-to-back. First is in Edmonton, and then the latter half is in Vancouver on Wednesday. And then the Blackhawks have another back-to-back next weekend. Uh, Saturday, they will be in Calgary, and they'll end their five-game road trip in Winnipeg, where they started They've been good on the road in recent games. As I said earlier, they've won eight of their last ten road games. But mm-hmm. this is really a test here for the Blackhawks, Tony. Yeah, this is pretty much going to tell us if they are a contender or pretender. And if you could play, I mean, we need to see more at home for sure. Yeah. But if you could play well in opponents' buildings, you do have a chance. So. I mean, that's good. Yeah. If they can survive the stretch and get some better play at home in March, we talked about on last episode, a huge, huge amount of their games, basically like four out of every five games in March are at home in the United center. So if the Blackhawks, like this is the five game road trip, that's really going to test them before they have a lot of games at home. So I think if they could come out of this road trip two, two and one, like, They'll 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 still be in a, a good spot with a lot of home games coming up. Yeah, as as the season has gone along, we've seen that this team can get really streaky. They can put winning streaks winning streaks together. We just need to um, see some before, consistency. Yeah, before the break, they won five in a row, so they can win games. Definitely. They just they just got to put it all together. Yeah, absolutely. So this next five games is really going to test them. Uh, they only have two more home games in this entire month, and they're back-to-back in a couple weeks. They'll uh, be at home on the 19th against the Rangers and at home the 
on the 21st against the Predators before they end February with another four-game road trip. Ooh, that's going to be brutal. This is a horrible four-game road trip, too. Dude, no, let me tell you, you think that's bad. <laughs> Listen to this one. These are going to be – the last four games of February, the 23rd yeah. at Dallas, the 25th at St. Louis, the 27th at Tampa Bay, 29th at Florida. All four of those yeah. games are against tough teams, those, like playoff caliber teams. Yeah, th- those are the four games that I was mentioning. That like th- that's probably the worst road trip of the whole season. But that's right before they have eleven of their fifteen games in March at home. So like, wow! If they yeah, they have eleven of fifteen. Who put the schedule together? Thirteen of their last seventeen games are at home. Wow. I th- I think thirteen. Yeah, thirteen of the last seventeen games are at home. Or, no, that could be 19. A, a that's very wrong. Good... 13 of the last 19 games are at home. Sorry. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that could be a very good thing, actually. It's going to be, Get, yeah. Put together some momentum going into the possibly a playoffs. And, yeah, looking at their last uh, week of the season, it's not really the strongest either. They have the Kings, the Canadians, and the Rangers, three teams all on the outside of the postseason right now, so. But you got to get through a rough February to even have, you know, yeah. the possibilities of a good March. So it doesn't really matter what the Blackhawks do in March if they fall flat on their face in these final nine uh, yeah. road games here in February. It's real, really going to be tough for the Blackhawks. So, but so yeah, crucial. Now that I'm thinking about how the season has gone, they've been better on the roads. So maybe that huge home stand is not good. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, the Blackhawks. You know, like that's been the whole season. <laughs> right when you think they know them, they're gonna throw you a curveball. Yeah, dude, it's been uh, it's been a fun season. I'll tell you that. Like, it's been a it's been an exciting season. They're definitely in a better position than I would have thought when I realized Calvin DeHaan wasn't gonna play again for the season. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited where we're at through 54 games, and uh, I'm super excited to see, um. What the last uh, 28 games have, uh, it's going to be fun down the stretch. Yeah, we will definitely see if, whether or not this team is real. Yeah, well, time will tell. Uh, but I think that will just about wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you so much to all the listeners out there. We really appreciate it, guys. Make sure to give the podcast Twitter page a follow at Talking Hockey for all Blackhawks coverage and live tweets of every game. Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me for the episode. It was a good one as always. Yeah, I had a great time, and I'm looking forward to um, this last part of the season. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the next episode on the trade deadline as well, partner. Right, me too. Awesome. So from Jack Bushman and my partner Tony Generis, go Blackhawks and make our defense great again. Till next episode, peace. Thank you.